Welcome to Finding Your Purpose podcast. My name is Meredith Kendall and I am your host. I hope you're having a great day. Have you ever seen the meme on Facebook that states there are 365 fear knots in the Bible? Well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but there may be a third that many. The King James Version says, fear not or be not afraid, only 103 times. Fear, though, is spoken of over 500 times in the KJV. And many times it's saying, fear God, which really means reverence, for God alone, and do not fear anyone or anything else. Today we're going to look at scriptures about fearing God and what that meant, and then what we can do about it in our life today. So to fear God involves recognizing that he is angry about sin and has the power to punish those who stand arrogantly against him and break his laws. Now we may see Yeah, we're not so arrogant, but we really are. If we are not being obedient to God's word, if we are continuing to wallow in our sin and we'll look at some sins in a little bit that we may not think about that are sins because we may think of the big ones, murder and um, adultery and, you know, those kinds of things. But there's a whole list that we're going to look at in a little bit. And I think sometimes we are very arrogant and we don't think that God will punish. Now he may not flood the earth because he did promise not to do that again, but he does not, um, let me see. He has not said, how about if I say that he has not said he will never punish us again. And I think we stand arrogantly a lot in the face of God saying, kind of nah, 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 you're not, you know, you're not going to do anything about this. And we don't take his word seriously and we need to get back there. So to fear God involves recognizing that he is angry about sin and has the power to punish those who stand arrogantly against him and break his laws. Moses. Okay. We're going to look at Deuteronomy nine. Moses says, remember this And never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord, your God, in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you've been rebellious against the Lord. And Haram, you aroused the Lord's wrath so that he was angry enough to destroy you. So I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. I stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of the 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant. And the Lord told me, go down from here at once because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have turned away quickly, quickly, 40 days, 40 days from what I commanded them and have made an idol for themselves. And the Lord said to me, I have seen this people and they are stiff necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I turned and went down from the mountain while it was ablaze with fire. And uh, the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. When I looked, I saw 
what you um, saw that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took the two tablets and I threw them out of my hands, breaking them into the pieces before your eyes. Then once again, I fell prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so arousing his anger. Let's stop right there for a second because I hate to say this, but I don't know of any pastors out there that are breaking stone tablets and getting prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights on behalf of the people that they are serving or their flock because of our sin. Our leaders and those of us called into leadership need to be calling sin, sin. And we need to be prostrate on the ground, crying out to the Lord because of the fear of the Lord for sin and for repentance. And I don't see that anymore. I see that we have allowed the world to take over our ideas of who God is. This Hollywood Jesus, (laughs) you know, this Hollywood Jesus is no Jesus from the Bible because Jesus from the Bible is truly God and we will be judged for the things that we're not doing. To finish up in Deuteronomy, it says, I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough with you to destroy you. Do we even know that wrath anymore? Do we even know it? Do we even care? It scares me. You know, it scares me how many people really are arrogant about the fear of the Lord. To the point where they don't think that God is the same God from the Old Testament that wipes out people. He is this, like I said, Hollywood Jesus that loves, loves, loves and loves sinners. And, and, and yeah, he does love sinners, but he doesn't love the sin. And he calls people into a different lifestyle when they decide to follow him. Let's look at the rest of Deuteronomy 9. But again, the Lord listened to me. And the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time, I prayed for Aaron too. And you also made the Lord angry at um, Tibera, at Messiah, Messiah, and at Kibro Hatava. Look at all these times that they made the Lord angry. How many times do we make the Lord angry in a day? And we don't even fall prostrate on ourselves to ask the Lord to forgive us. And then when the Lord sent you out from Kadesh Barna, he said, go up, take possession of the land I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. You did not trust him or obey him. 
How many times do we not trust God or obey God because we think our ways are better? We know best. Goes on to say, you've been rebellious against the Lord ever since I've known you. Deuteronomy 9, I know it's Old Testament, but it should scare a lot of us because I really believe that we have become a people group that do not fear the Lord's wrath and or the Lord at all. And we need to get back there. Psalm 76, 7 says, It is you alone, for you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. You know, it's really sad because we have so many gods that we put before the Lord. And we don't praise God above our other gods that we have done. We praise our other gods. I mean, if you don't think so... um, Look at some people late recently, you know, oh, I can't believe I got to meet so-and-so. Blah, blah, blah. That's an idol. That's a God that you've put before the Lord. If you have stood in line and you can't wait and you're praising this person's all this stuff that they've done and they're doing and whatever. And, and then, you know, would you stand in line like that and praise Jesus? Or are you watching your clocks, wondering when service is going to be over on Sunday morning so that you can get to the restaurant? And I won't even talk about the fact that how many people put their life on hold a couple weeks ago to um, sit at their computers to click the button just at the right time so they could get tickets to a concert of a human. Would we do that for Jesus? Do we do that for Jesus? So God may not have so many feared gods in the New Testament as in the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean they're null and void. Matter of fact, remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's in Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You know, I hate to say this, but there's some people that led me to the Lord or I felt that they were what we call super Christians when I was just coming up through the, through the ranks of you know becoming a believer. And unfortunately, I cannot follow, imitate their faith because they've walked away. So I'm grateful. I am grateful that God has opened my eyes to know what it is to remain faithful to him. And unfortunately, unlike a lot of other people and not faithful to the world. In the New Testament, the author of Hebrews um, acknowledges God's coming vengeance and judgment It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do we really believe that? (laughs) 
It's New Testament, y'all. New Testament. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, we need to start being more and more serious about our faith, who we are, walking in that light, walking as Jesus asked us to walk, being, as people love to say, the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you also need to be living out some verses that are in the Bible. But, you know, we don't want to do that, you know, because that gets in the way of what we do every day. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. So God gave us a way to be forgiven for our sins. Just because it's not widely written in the New Testament doesn't mean it's no longer an act of obedience we should follow, which is means the fearing of the Lord. You know, we, we, um, we want the grace. We want the grace to cover everything so that our sin's not that bad. And we've gotten rid of the fear in our lives. So yes, God gave us a way to be forgiven for our sins, but God does not want us to continue in that sin. He wants us to be obedient to his word. Acts 9, then the church through, throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. There's going to come a time that all we're going to have is each other in the Lord. And we need to start living in that fear of the Lord, being encouraged by the Holy Spirit so that we can bring in those who are lost, who don't know Jesus yet, so that when the time comes, they can spend eternity in heaven. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with the faith. Would you have been faithful to build an ark? It hadn't rained. He was talking about something that was going to destroy the, the world to build this ark. He was given the instructions. How many times have we been given instructions and we don't think God's really speaking to us? Is it going to destroy your family? Or is God giving you what you need to help save your family, but you're too afraid to walk in it. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. First Peter 2. Okay, live as free people. Do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Your freedom and grace. Okay, do not use it. To cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. We need to be slaves in obedience to God's word. To what he has asked us to do. But yet we don't fear the Lord. Revelation 14. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. To every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. 
Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of the waters. Every knee will bow in the end. Every tongue will confess. The difference will be, what have you done on this earth that he's asked you to do? So have you given your life over? Has he become the Lord of your life? so that you'll spend eternity with him? Or will you be confessing in the horror of hell? It goes on to say, in Romans it says, um, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, their poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I think this can be written about a lot of churches today in the Christian Christendom in the American Christian church. And I think that's sad because we need to get back to fearing the Lord. Second Corinthians seven though says, therefore, I love therefores. You need to go back and find out what that therefore is for. And therefore, since we have many pro- these promises, what promises really is the promise of salvation Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of the reverence for fear of God. So how do we purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit? Romans 12, 1 and 2 states, Therefore, again, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. James 1.27, a lot of people may know this because we, a lot of nonprofits use it um, as a, as a verse, as a, a go-to verse, religion that God our Father accepts as pure as faultless is, is this to look after the orphans and widows in their distress. But you know there's a second part to that. And to keep oneself from be, being polluted by the world. Let me say it again. Second part of James 1.27. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So you remember I was told you I'd get to my little list of sins and arrogance and stuff. So Galatians 5, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, and I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. I wish I could say that we're confident that you will take no other view. But the world has become the yeast that has just kind of getting in all over and it's taking over the dough. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and ending, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Walking with the Lord is much more than saying, please forgive me, I repent, I believe, raising your hand to accept the Lord into your heart and or getting baptized. It is a commitment to live your life daily, pleasing the Lord in the way you live and making him known. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. James 2, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I know these two verses may seem like they contradict each other, but it's far from the contrary. We cannot work ourselves into heaven. It is by grace, a free gift from God through our faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. But that is just the beginning of our walk with the Lord, because now you need to do the good works he prepared for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So as I finish, Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We are supposed to put our eyes on Jesus. If you don't know the Jesus of the Bible, that is where we need to start. You need to know the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of Hollywood, not the Jesus that's in most pulpits, because that's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's the Jesus that the world has created. And we need to get back to the Jesus of the Bible. So I'm going to ask you this last question. Through your everyday actions, who do you fear the most? Jesus or the world?
Thank you for joining us today. And we hope that you find your purpose in who God created you to be. Have an amazing week.